Warning, the following podcast may contain some fits of extreme nerd rage, especially when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. As such, there may be a few colorful pieces of language thrown around. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back once again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Wrestling Ramblings and Rages podcast. I am, of course, your host, James Shimo, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Mr. Ryan Payne. Ryan, how's it going today, man? It's been, uh, honestly, it's been one hell of a week. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It that has, by, that has. Went money to kind of blast. Yeah, well, it has been a hell of a week, not just in our personal lives, but in the world of professional wrestling as well as we gear up for this Sunday's all-out pay-per-view coming to us courtesy of AEW. But before we get into that, uh, we would be remiss in our duties as internet commentators uh, in the world of professional wrestling if we did not bring up a few things. Um, first and foremost, sorry to start the show on such a, uh, such a downer note, uh, but it does bear talking about, uh, unfortunately, uh, we were informed that uh, Shan Spurl, otherwise known as Daphne uh, from WCW and TNA fame, as well as working in uh, federations like Glamour, or not Glamour, Shimmer and uh, uh, Shine, unfortunately has passed yeah. away at the age of 46. Um, I mean, there's there's not much else to say. And again, we, we don't have all the details. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. We do know that uh, she jumped on Instagram Live, uh, I want to say it was early, late Tuesday night, early Wednesday, uh, some, or like it was Tuesday or Wednesday night, one of the two. Uh, and she seemed to be in a very bad mental state. Um, it even seemed like she had a pistol in her hands on the actual live stream itself, at least according to a couple of people who saw it. Uh, immediately, like in a bunch of my chat groups, I saw people posting, hey, uh, does anybody know where this woman is? Can somebody, you know, reach out to her or her family? Get in touch with, you know, emergency services, whatever, because they didn't know what was going on. It freaked them out, uh, as it would anybody with a, any kind of rational thinking brain uh, when something like that goes on. So, uh, yeah, and then and then again, uh, we know that emergency services had a hard time finding her. There were several different addresses that they checked. Uh, Mick Foley even sent out a tweet. It's like, hey, can somebody get in touch with, you know, if you've got her number or this, that, or the other, tr do everything you can to try to get in touch with her, this, that, and the other. Uh, but unfortunately, such efforts uh, seem to have been in vain because we did learn that, again, uh, she did pass away, again, age 46, which is just no damn age at all. Like, I mean, come on. I think, what, China was, what, 40 or something when she passed or right around that same yeah, age? Yeah, in the mid-40s she passed away. I'm, like, double-checking here. Yeah. But um, obviously it's a very tragic situation, um, you know, losing – Anyone at any time, you know, especially regardless of what whether they were, you know, main event caliber talent or, you know, mid carters or, you know, whatever, it's the loss of life is never something you ever want. So they died at the same age. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's crazy. Um, if nothing else, and again, a lot of I, I will give we we talk a lot of shit about WWE on this show, but yeah. Credit to them, they, there was a, a, a screenshot of a text message or an email or something that was sent out that says, if you are going through difficult times mentally, please reach out to somebody. There are services available. We are here to help. Uh, you don't suffer alone, this, that, and the other. So at least give them credit where credit is due for providing 
counseling services to people who need it, uh, regardless of what kind of mental uh, instabilities they're going through, if I may say. I know that's probably not the most politically correct term to use for that, but, um, you know, with the last year with COVID and everything else, people have felt a lot more isolated than they ever have been. Um, unfortunately, you know, some people know how to deal with isolation well, others don't. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, again, I can't speak to anything because again, I don't know all the details. I'm not going to speculate on anything. I'm not going to put any kind of narrative out there that obviously has no bearing. Um, but it's just a shame. And, and again, I, I only really knew of Daphne through TNA. I wasn't watching WCW when she was doing her whole thing with David Flair and Miss Tessmacher or whatever. I think that, I think that was Stacy Keebler's name at the time. Was it not? Miss um, Hancock. Like that. That Miss Hancock. Hancock. That was it. That was it. Cause I knew uh, Brooke was uh, Brooke Tessmacher. And, and so yeah. Uh, so in any case, but yeah, there was, I wasn't around. I like, obviously I went back and I watched that whole thing after the fact, like, especially with the advent of the network and things like that. But I mean, 46 years old is just, I mean, I can only imagine what her mom and her daughter are going through and this, that, and the other. And I mean, all I can say is, again, if you are out there and you are going through a tough time mentally, just, I know there's a stigma out there about, you know, people with mental issues and this, that, and the other, and people are afraid of being judged and people are afraid of, or not afraid necessarily, but don't want to be judged. They don't want to be looked at as needing help. They don't want to be looked at as weak. They don't want to be looked at as inferior. Put all of that to the side. Your mental well-being means everything. Your health, regardless of whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, means everything. All right, we have a third person who likes to do stuff on the show with us. He's going through a rough patch right now. We are giving him that freedom to go ahead and you know sort out whatever he needs to, and he will join us back when he is good and ready, and we will be happy to have him back. Brenton, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this, we're here for you, buddy. If you ever need to reach out, do so. Um, but, yeah, uh, Ryan, your thoughts on the pa passing of Shannon Spurl, otherwise known as Daphne? I mean, I don't have – I mean, look, you pretty much relayed most of my similar thoughts, too. I mean, with Daphne – I remember seeing tiny bits and pieces of her on WCW when I was going back and forth at the time between Raw and Nitro, and then when I went permanently to Raw, yeah, I mean, I, I only knew a little about her. And then, yeah, like you, I, I got more well-inversed in her character in TNA when she showed up, being uh, when she was at first uh, pretending to be a Sarah Palin lookalike. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then she turns, you know, heel and becomes her Daphne character, and then she just went straight forward, being uh, mostly being a lot aligned with uh, Stephen Richards or Dr. Stevie at the time when he was there. Yep, because he so, was Abyss's weird therapist. I remember that whole angle. Yeah, and uh, just seeing some of the work she did, I definitely saw, like, I when I saw her do that, I'm like, man, she has a great grasp on her character. And then I had friends oh, yeah. of mine tell me, oh, yeah, she, she was similar, similar like that in WCW. And I go, okay, so she was another WCW alum brought to TNA, but she was one of the few ones who, were, who was very good at character work. Problem was yeah. TNA. Former cruiserweight champion. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. I mean, former cruiserweight champion in our own right. You know, granted, it was by accident when the ref continued yeah. to count the three, even though he wasn't supposed to. But, I mean, 
give her credit where credit is due. And she's definitely a, a trailblazer. I think somebody who made it might have been just a little bit ahead of her time. You know, could you imagine like if she had if she had been born maybe 20 years later and was just now getting into the wrestling business? Imagine if WWE had brought her in as Sister Abigail for crying out loud. Could you imagine what it would have been like with her and Bray Wyatt and what they could have done with that whole situation? Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't try to reach out and, and make that a thing. You, and the more you're talking about it, it makes it even, it's even it feels even more obvious. But um, but before we but, but I don't want to continue on the thought mainly because. You shared some of my same thoughts too. Like, uh, we don't know much about what happened to her. Last thing we want to do is start uh, speculating, and we want to start talking about her life and talking about the signs. Like, no, when someone, when a wrestler dies, or when an athlete, or someone you know or love dies, and you don't, you of course you want to believe, you want to jump to, oh, is there more we can do? Was there anything else we can do about that? But sometimes you just have to wait and find out what was the cause and aligning to it. I mean. Yes, the reports are saying it's a suicide, but even then, sometimes suicides aren't always more of they took their own life. It can always lead to so many other um, things, like especially with, with sports, with uh, concussions, CTE, for Christ's sake, CTE with long-term brain damage can lead to so many factors in your deteriorate, not only deteriorating your mental health, but also physically with your brain to the point to where you may see suicide as the way out. And then at the same time, with mental health, there are other celebrities in the past who have been have had constant battles with clinical depression to where one day they just couldn't have the will to to fight to fight it anymore. Yeah. Robin Williams and, is a great example. Yeah, I was thinking of Robin Williams too. And even in the even nowadays, like uh, it, like during the times of the, the painter Vincent Van Gogh, everyone believed that this man was just an eccentric odd man. Then we find out, oh, he had mental issues, and he 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 may have been dealing with bipolar disorder. And he was also dealing with depression. So you do see that there can there's so many factors involved in this. And the last thing myself and James want to do is try to analyze and try to theorize, maybe try to figure out what was their issue. Like we don't. We barely knew no. anything about her wrestling life, and we definitely don't know jack shit about her personal life. So exactly last right. So the last thing we're going to do is be like some fans on Twitter or Reddit or anywhere else who have podcasts or forms of social media, and then we're just going to start speculating our theories on why Daphne did this, especially with her age. No. As far as we're concerned, we just want to relay the same information I've seen through Twitter from Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai, Bailey, uh, Sasha, all the other female wrestlers who knew her, sharing uh, information like, go online, look for suicide. I mean, if you are feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, like if, if you need something to talk to, there are suicide prevention hotlines. I mean, even if suicide is just not what you're going towards in your, if you're feeling in your depression, if you feel like you just need someone to talk to, there are these uh, health there. There are these health hotlines where you can just talk to somebody. Absolutely. Maybe it's not yeah, a right. solution, but it's something to maybe steer you away from that. And there's also like there's now online counseling, online therapy to where if you're not comfortable speaking face to face with someone and you just want to talk to somebody online, we, there are that there are licensed professional therapists who do counseling sessions online. I mean, I Absolutely. wish I had some of those websites pulled up right now, but yeah. Now, what we will do, uh, we will go back in our, uh, once this posts on YouTube, for those of you who don't know who are only listening to this in the audio form, we do run this on YouTube at my own personal YouTube channel, Sheminator Productions, cheap plug it out of the way. I don't want to feel like I'm capitalizing on this, but uh, we will go back in the comments and we will leave a bunch of different links for mental health organizations, uh, hotlines, suicide prevention stuff. If any of you feel like you are in need of this, please, please take advantage of these. There are alternatives. 
I know it feels like, again, with the current world climate that we are more alone than we have ever been, but you're not. There's always somebody who is willing to help you as long as you are willing to make the reach. We can't, we can't read minds. No, no human being on this planet has ever been gifted with the ability to read minds. We can't just innately know that something's wrong. Sometimes we can pick up on things that may seem wrong, but we don't know the whole story unless you let us know. And that's exactly why we don't know the whole story with Daphne. We're not going to sit here and speculate. It's not our job. We're not police investigators. We're not trying to piece things together. That's not what we're here to do. No. All we will uh, say, I, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to relate back to earlier from what you said when it came with uh, people being like, think uh, reaching out for help feels like a sign of weakness. The biggest down, I think one of the biggest factors of depression and of, I mean, at least from my personal experience when it comes to depression and sometimes with mental health, is this uh, this idea in your mind or this image you're given of looking independent, looking strong, and la and of course, and I'm not going to say this, but I mean, well, I'm going to say this, but mainly from what I've seen through lots of social media forms, through lots of uh, um, entertainment forms, especially through vis visual media in our society, like movies, TV shows, even reality TV shows, even reality, sh reality shows in quotation marks, something yeah. that's asking for help, wanting to be caring, wanting to be a good listener is sometimes painted as a negative because of this image that the world wants to put up ourselves like this is a, someone as someone to look up to like leaders and in reality good leaders are those who put who are, who are willing to put their ego aside who are willing to realize that i cannot help anybody if i'm not willing to help them myself or if i'm willing to do the same thing in reverse you know help if you there's the con there's that golden rule you're told as a kid growing up or in classrooms treat others the way you want to be treated and i believe that rule and i believe that is something that's consistently lost on us especially when we grow up i mean of course you get wronged by someone you definitely want to get even with them you feel as if someone's not asking for your help then yeah it's not my business to ask if they're in trouble if there's a problem and We've definitely seen many times when there are people we think look sad or depressed and we just sometimes feel like, you know, just ask them, hi, are, how are you? Are you okay? And then they'll just lash out at you and you're going to be like that instant regret. Like, oh, I shouldn't have talked to this person. We get it. I get it too. I've had, I've had battles with depression during the, during this whole isolation. I've had, even before I met Jane, before I got involved in all this, there were times where I was depressed because I was consistently lost where to go. And at times I was also very prideful to where I did not want to ask for help. And I still battle with that too, especially when to move forward, with, especially doing this with James. When I want to do something more with podcasting, at least with technology, there's all these links out there that shows you, you can, you can be able to self-teach yourself and make, and because with these tools out there, it makes you even more prideful and afraid to reach out and ask for help. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But I think, I think you brought up an interesting point. And again, this will be the last little thing that we do yeah. on this before we move ahead, because we do have a whole pay-per-view card to talk about here. But, you know, you brought up, you know, the golden rule, treat others the way you would like to be treated. I would argue, treat yourself the way you would want to be treated. And it's if you would want help in a certain situation and someone else to reach out to give it to you, reach out and give it to yourself. And the best way to do that is to, again, admit that you need it. Um, and again, we brought up, you know, the, the sign of weakness thing. My viewpoint on this whole thing is 
the ultimate form of strength is knowing what you can do, but also what your limits are. And when you reach those limits, taking care of yourself so that way you can do what you know that you need to do. And that goes with physical limits as well as mental ones. We all have our breaking points. The problem is we want to avoid when those breaking points have fatal consequences. Yeah, but we can't do everything. We can't. No. We, we're not. We're not. Even if we work hard enough, even if we train ourselves, there's always going to be something out there that we're just not good at. You want to learn a dozen languages? Great. Go ahead. But even then, there's going to be some languages that just don't click to you, no matter how many times you study. And especially, um, I mean, I, I, yeah, we don't want to keep going here, but. You, you are right. I mean, if you're going to look at someone and, and say they're not taking their care of themselves like properly, like they're not they're not going to seek the help. But then when it comes with your turn and you ask yourself, how come I'm not doing the same thing? I mean, best example with doctors, uh, when the doctors offer advice to patients in order to get healthy. And then at the same time, you're wondering if the doctors themselves ever take these advice. And I've seen many I've read many articles and seen many uh, open confessionals where doctors do admit the living standards they have in a hospital makes it difficult for them to take care of themselves when they offer the same advice to their patients. So believe me, it's not like we're trying to be preachers. So we do realize in reality, everybody has flaws. There's hypocrite. There's some, uh, there's, um, well, yeah, there's some hypocrite, hypocriticism on some sides. Hypocrisy. Yes. Hypocrisy. That's right. There's some hypocrisy on, okay. on all sides of the board here. So all I will say here is that, I am truly, I am truly sad to hear about this tragic story. This, I mean, when it comes with hearing about uh, a wrestler dying of suicide, it's 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 really completely terrible. I mean, it definitely takes me back to last year when we had Hana Kimura who had committed suicide. Yeah. All yeah. of the and, and it was one of those things that got me to rewatch some of her old matches. And I'm gonna say one one thing about her passing, I'm also going to watch some of her old WCW matches as well, and I still remember her time on TNA. It's it's sad to where when a wrestler does pass away. I mean, look, I can't always say there's going to be a lot of wrestlers I'm aware of that I'm going to be able to know before they show up in WWE or AEW or uh, on uh, AAA or on Impact. There's going to be a lot that's going to slip through my that's going to slip through the cracks that I just don't have advantage of, you know, watching. Yeah. I mean, you're right. But the, uh, like I said, bottom line that we'll get to here, no man or woman or however you identify is an island. We all need help at some points. You know, we always, the biggest thing, and again, I, I talk about this with my students sometimes is, you know, we've all had people in our lives that tell us you're not good enough. You're not going to be this. You're not going to be that. And, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. And we always tell them, you know, they can go just shove it up their own ass and this and yeah. that. But somehow when those words and those sentiments come from in here, in our own minds, suddenly they're facts. So regardless, again, we're not getting into any speculation or anything like this. Uh, the last thing I will say on this is to the family of Shansborough, uh, you have our deepest condolences. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Um, Daphne will absolutely be missed. Uh, I will absolutely be going back to uh, enjoy a lot more of her work. Uh, it'll just be with a little bit more of a bittersweet tinge to it, knowing yeah. that such a talent is, you know, has been snuffed out, but she will always live on in our memories and in our hearts. So uh, Chance Earl, thank you for everything that you gave the wrestling world. Uh, we're just sorry we couldn't do more for you in the end. All right. Well, moving on from that bummer note, speaking of, uh, like you mentioned before, there are, 
talents. There are wrestlers that uh, some of us aren't always familiar with, but there is one name that a lot of people, especially nowadays, are very familiar with, who you and I will now officially, it has been confirmed, have the opportunity to see live and in living color aboard the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Triple Whammy. Will Ospreay is yeah. going to be on the cruise. I saw that pop up in my feed, in my email today. I was like, what the hell? Like, that, wait, that, that's the biggest surprise. That was nuts. And I, I just feel so bad that, you know, those guardrails, because you and I remember the guardrails are really up close to the, the ring on the last cruise. Yeah. How the hell is the offense going to change? Like, what in the name of Merlin is he going to be doing in there? I know, because I, of course, remember perfectly from that last cruise, they were probably about, like, here was the ring, and then here was where the guardrails. Like, there was even, there was never enough walking room, at least on certain sides of the arena, I mean, of that ring setup. I mean, of course, there was more space to where the pool area was, because they set up a, a stand, and then there was extra space, but pretty much three quarters of that ring, it was, like, barely enough for two or three right. people to stand arm distance that. minimum to the arm ring distance. like you could reach out and slap the side of the ring it was you that yeah, yeah you can touch the the, the apron or it depending yeah. on where you were you can almost reach and touch the the, the post the ring the steps yeah yeah so that's how close those were maybe Absolutely. With the cruise they'll find uh they'll have they'll have more um setup but all I'm just gonna yeah. say is Jesus Christ, Will Osprey gonna be shown. I know he's changed up his style. I hope, I hope he is in the uh, he's in the photo group because I'd love to get a picture with Will Osprey. Are you kidding me? If not, I'm going to look for the wrestlers who are gonna be at those signing tables, and I will go there exactly. I mean, I still, of course, there's so much to talk about Will Osprey and whatever favorite matches were. But all I'm just gonna say is one match I still love to watch repeatedly is his match when he wrestled against B Priestley, and that. Oh, yeah. So that just the opening of the announcer just labeling out his moniker, talking about how he's all this, and he's just like in character, going along with all that. Of course, it showed up on Botchamania where the announcer accidentally says he's B Priestley, he's B Priestley's girlfriend, and without missing B, he just goes, "If she plays the cards right." <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, definitely how sharp. It was a, even though it, yeah, it was a, it was a. It was an empty stadium, but just seeing how fun, how much fun he was having, especially after the match was over, he was just talking so much smack about about being all that. It was just amazing seeing how yeah. much fun he had. It's it's definitely going to be a nutso time. I don't know who made the phone call. I don't know who helped ink this deal, whether it was Jericho, Tony Khan, somebody else entirely. doesn't matter. All I will say is thank you very much. More of this, please. Anyway. Let's get that out of the way. Enough gushing. We are here for a reason, and that is to speculate upon the upcoming pay-per-view, AEW All Out, airing live from Chicago, Illinois, this coming Sunday, September 5th. Uh, there's a lot to unpack with this show, because there is a lot, a lot going on. Um, obviously, there was a match that was announced for this, but we have since learned uh, since this past Wednesday on Dynamite, the match is no longer on. It was meant to be Andrade El Idolo going one-on-one -on -one with Pac. Uh, that match has officially been canceled because, unfortunately, there have been some travel issues and Pac is unable to attend. There have been speculation. There has been speculation. Nothing has been confirmed yet uh, that there is going to be a segment in the show where Andrade faces a mystery opponent. 
And of course, a lot of people have been speculating, of course, now because as of last Friday, Adam Cole is now and uh, now a free agent. Uh, he let his contract expire, which, which as far as I know, means there is no non-compete clause. It's only if they release him early. I don't know yeah. whether that's true or not, but I believe that is the case. Uh, you also have Daniel Bryan, who's been speculating for that, or Brian Danielson, for those of you who remember him more from his Ring of Honor days. There's a lot of speculation there. There's a lot of speculation as to who uh, the uh, 21st woman in the, uh, t- the Casino Battle Royal we'll is going to yeah, be. We'll program. get to that. We'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to make that. And does it suck? Yeah, it sucks because that match would have been off the chain. It would have been absolutely bonkers. But we're getting it on a random episode of Rampage whenever travel opens up for Pac again. So, you know what? At least we're still getting it. It's not like it's just been thrown exactly, out. Yeah. Thrown out with the bathwater. Let's go ahead. AEW had to change a match because of situation. Like last year, uh, we were gonna, it was originally going to be Kenny versus Mox. But then Mox had that MRSA infection in his elbow, and it changed to to be the debut of Pac because even Pac was supposed to debut on Double or Nothing, but couldn't because of travel issues. So they were able to change things around. So AW, they're able to change up like the, they're able to you know really bounce back from match cards. Sometimes it's worked positively, other times it's been negatively. But whoever they have set up for Andrade, I'm definitely looking forward to because. Andrade, he definitely needs uh, – right now so far on AW, he's not been used a lot. He only had one specific match, which was against Matt Seidel, and unfortunately Seidel ended up looking more of the workhorse compared to Andrade. But I have been hearing he's been doing some work in, a- in AAA, so it's it's more likely that he's done most of his like wrestling work in AAA, and he's just there for AW for appearances, so – I'm not. I mean, I'm not going to say that Andrade won't perform. He's going to deliver without a doubt in my mind. Absolutely. It's just going to be difficult who he's going to be paired with because, of course, this is like two, three days notice. So they're going to have to work together very well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let us go ahead then and get into the actual pay per view card itself. Like you mentioned, uh, some things have been moved around. Uh, first and foremost, this match was added. To the buy-in pre-show, we have the best friends consisting of Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Yuta up against, uh, as well as Jurassic Express, excuse me, up against the Hardy Family Office, which, of course, Matt Hardy, Private Party, and TH2, and Intelico, Jack Evans, Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn. A huge 10-man tag team match on the buy-in. Honestly, just because it's on the pre-show, and I don't think it's going to matter in the grand scheme of things. Anyway, I know Matt Hardy and orange Cassidy have had this whole thing going for like the longest time. Uh, I, I think the, the baby faces are going over here. So I'm going for the team of best friends in Jurassic express. What about you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm honestly back and forth on this too, because um, I've been recently catching back up in some dark and dark elevation matches, and especially with Wheeler Yuta being added to the best friends because Trent, he's out again. Uh, yeah. They so far. Yeah, I mean, Trent, he's had some bad luck, just like with the Dax uh, Harwood. No, no, Cash Wheeler with injuries. And I I guess what this mini storyline they have with with Yuta is that so far he has yet to get a victory. And uh, I mean, part of me thinks maybe this is going to be the moment where he gets a victory for the buy in, or he's going to be one, he's going to be the one who gets pinned during the buy in. So I'm really back and forth. But if I have to lock down, and if I'm going to be wrong, I'm going to be wrong. I'm actually going to go with the Hardy family office on this one. Interesting. Okay. Uh, But yeah, like I said, for me, I feel like, you know, it makes more sense again, early pre-show, you know, get the people jazzed up this, that, and the other, get them really hyped, 
get him a big baby face win. So I'm going to go with, uh, like I said, the best friends and Jurassic Express. You are All right. right. With the Hardy family office, only Hardy is the only Matt is so far the one who's going to get those big chants. Because exactly right. From Matt, from, because from Orange and Matt's match, you saw those chants in Chicago back and forth. No, it was Milwaukee between Delete and the Orange Cassidy kick. So I'm pretty sure we're going to get that again in Chicago. Yeah, probably. But imagine, like you mentioned, Wheeler Yuta has yet to score a victory in AEW. Can you imagine if he was the one who pinned Matt Hardy in that match, the boost that, that would give him in his oh, credibility? I doubt. Uh, yeah, I can see that. All right. Back and forth for me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And this match was originally on the pre-show, but has now been moved up to the main card. We yeah, have the 21-woman casino battle royale. So this is going to be interesting. We have the following individuals participating. Nyla Rose, Thunder Rosa, The Bunny, Big Swole, Julia Hart, Taikanti, Diamante, Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Hikaru Shida, Emi Sakura, Jade Cargill, Kira Hogan, Abaddon, Layla Hirsch, Keelan King, Rebel, Jamie Hayter, Anna J, Riho, and one woman to be determined. So there are two predictions here. Number one, who is the wild card joker at the end of the match? And number two, who is going over? Ryan, I go to you first. This one obviously is purely fantasy for me, but, and honestly, I've been over with her since she's been in AEW, and I've been loving the direction they've given her. So, I mean, I won't say stop and starts, but they've really built her very well to be a main event player. I'm going to go with Ty Conti for this one to win. Now, the obvious to me could be Thunder Rosa because Britt Baker is the champion, and they're going to do a Thunder and Britt again. But I think Ty Conti should get a shot at the AEW Women's Championship. She had a shot against uh, Hikaru Shida when she was on the run, but this was before Ty Conti was able to build herself. I mean, she's so far in her run, she's had two shots at the AEW Women's at two shots at championships. The NWA, when Serena Deep was champion, and that promo package they did between the two of them, building up to that championship was very well. And then, of course, her champ shot against Shikikaru. But around that time, Ty has gotten more experience in the ring, and she's able to now mill... She's able to really combine her judo background into wrestling more to where you're seeing her implement more judo moves into her wrestling. Now, I think against Britt could be very good, but like I said, I'm, I'm mainly fantasizing here, so she's going to be the one who I pick to win. And yeah. for the Joker card, um, look, I've been Owen Zilch on the Joker card since we've been doing this stuff, so you know what? I'm just going to continue that. And this is mainly because I know she's back in wrestling again. And I just watched and I and I caught up on NWA Empower, the all women's event. Mm -hmm. I'm going Kylie Ray as the Joker. Interesting. She does have a history with AEW. I and will she, give you that. Right now she's signed to NWA. Mm -hmm. But even if it's just a one-off appearance, I'm okay with that because it kind of leaves the door open to the fact she could maybe try to do double duty like La Thunder Rosa did. I mean, it's it's a viable option. I don't I don't see an issue with it. And you know, honestly, for your own money, I hope that that's that works oh. out for you. And I just remembered she's also uh, from Chicago as well, so that's a possibility as well. However, I believe they've already, or at least the Joker has already been teased by the actual talent herself. Oh. I'm gonna say Ruby Soho. Yeah, the former Ruby Riot. I I think it's almost too obvious. You know, and again, sometimes obvious isn't always bad. You know, like, could you imagine getting to see her 
you know, shaken up with people like Riho, like Hikaru Shida, like Nyla Rose, like Ty Conti, like Jamie Hayter, all of these great talents. Now, again, do I think she's going to win? No, but I think it would be really good, and especially the way she was just so mishandled in WWE, the whole Riot Squad thing. So many missed opportunities. With, they, it, it's one of those situations with WWE to where they really do ignore the wrestlers' background, their experience, just so they can refresh them. I mean, she was rushed in NXT, clearly, because she could have been yeah. one hell of a foundation for the women's division. She could have been an incredible opponent for Shayna Baszler's uh, NXT run, honestly. She could have been a great rival to her. But they rushed her up to the main roster because, you know, it's her look, and they wanted to do a, a, three, a, a women's trio. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, it is what it is. But unfortunately, like I said, you know, we could write a – a litany of books over the type of people that WWE has misused over the years. And, you know, if the rumors now that Vince and Bruce Pritchard are taking over NXT are to be believed, there's going to be a whole lot more material to work with going forward. So, um, but in any case, uh, yeah. So my pick for the Joker is going to be Ruby Soho. As far as the winner, I agree that Ty Conti would be a very interesting choice. However, I'm going to go with Anna Jay. She just made her big return on Dynamite this week. She, we know she's had issues with Britt Baker in the past before. She, she was meant to face, time. Go ahead, go ahead. She was meant to face Britt Baker in the Women's Eliminator before she got injured. So, yeah. Bingo. Exactly right. And not to mention, we've got all this time between now and full gear in November to where you can build that storyline, build her association with the Dark Order, all of this other kind of stuff. Have her be the first one since Brody Lee to bring a championship to the Dark Order. Hell, she I can be the leader of the Dark Order if they play their cards right. Mm-hmm. Because exactly. uh, so far on Dynamite, they've been seizing, uh, obviously, with Hangman Page being out. They have been doing this storyline to where uh, certain the faction Dark Order is starting to question each other, especially with Uno for his for him and Stu Grayson choosing not to let the Dark Order help Hangman when he was being attacked. So right. I can see that pretty much the, the, you know, the buck stops here with me. Exactly. Exactly right. So... We'll see what happens. We will definitely see what happens. But I I personally am looking forward to this. I, there are a lot of women in here who I think would be great, great choices uh, for a shot at the AEW Women's World Championship. You know, uh, again, Hikaru Shida. Penelope Ford, we know, has, you know, been able to carry herself well. Heck, Kira Hogan would be an inspired choice. And, you know, the whole back and forth between Impact that they've got going on. You know, Big Swole would be another good one. You know, there are so many people that they could put over and really – give a very massive spotlight to in this entire ordeal. So uh, like, there's not a lot of wrong choices in here. Like there are a couple of people who I don't think are going to get the nod uh, red velvet. Cause she's just too recently had, you know, match a match of Burt Baker. Emmy Sakura, I don't think is going to get it. Um, Layla Hirsch could maybe, but I don't know that she, and with her whole thing with the uh, NWA women's world championship and all that sort of thing. I don't think that's, a decent choice. We know Rebel and Jamie Hayter obviously aren't going to get it because yeah. and Jamie Hayter just recently returned and exactly. I mean, she just came back to AEW and she's aligned with Britt, so I don't think they yeah. want to. Uh, I mean, WWE they'd probably be doing a hell of a lot of tease of Jamie wanting this, but no, exactly. Yeah, uh, Julia Hart again. I think it's just it's still too green. So there, like, there are a couple of other options in here, but with I, uh, honestly, I don't see. Uh, I clearly don't see uh, Nyla or Jade getting it at right now. Yeah. No, not because at the moment, especially because they're both heels. Well, you know? well, they did 
Brit, a heel versus heel with Britt versus Nyla. The problem was that Britt's more of a likable heel compared to Nyla, so they were able to pull it out. And Jade, she's only had a lot of squash matches, so I don't think she's really. She's unproven, unproven in a well, long. She, I don't think she's there for a ten minute to carry a ten minute match. Maybe let alone an eight minute match. Right now, again, could Britt carry her to something like that? Maybe, but as of right now, I think it's a little too early to make that gamble. Yeah. Anyway. All right, next match. This this one's going to be a special one. Uh, inter, international flavor here with this one. John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima. Man. Wow. Um, all I can say is uh, my big prediction for this match, stiff. This is going to be oh. one hell of a stiff match. Yeah, the, Moxley's promos have been pretty much he's hint, he was it, he was pretty much hinting even before with Satoshi that whoever faces him at all out, they're in for a very very rough match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that being said, I don't think there's any prizes for guess uh, for predicting that Mox is going over here. I mean, it's an AEW pay per view. Don't get me wrong, Kojima's a legend, but I think he's there mainly to give that rub to Mox, make him look like more of a threat, and then again to build to maybe some later matches with. Maybe somebody like a Will Ospreay on the cruise, please? Maybe? Um, I think before, uh, it was teased a little bit that Moxley did want the winner between Tanahashi and uh, Archer for the IWGP US belt, but maybe because Tanahashi can't come by, Satoshi was the one to step up. But like I said before, I mean, all signs point to Moxley winning, not because it's an AEW pay-per-view, but because after All Out, the next Diamond's going to be in his hometown of Cincinnati, so they right. kind of want him to come. I mean, logic does dictate he comes back as a a warring hero who got the victory. I mean, either way, Cincinnati's gonna love Moxley being there. And honestly, I can't see two ways of coming this out. He wins, and then he's gonna maybe push his way back up the car again, or he loses and maybe becomes even more unstable, more of a dangerous individual. Maybe not go heel, but the signs will point towards it. But even then, I'm going for Moxley for the victory. All right, Mox it is. All right, the next matchup we have Paul White, the former Big Show, going one-on-one -on -one against QT Marshall. Um, just by virtue of the fact that the Gun Club oh, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, just by virtue of the fact that those guys beat the living hell out of Paul White on Wednesday, I think the go-home math is gonna is gonna hold here. I think Paul goes over uh, here on uh, on All Out. Just, a, again, a nice big baby face kind of thing. And, you know, the crowd will be behind big uh, – I almost called him Big Show like JR did this past week on freaking uh, Dynamite multiple times. And I was just like, yeah, you're, you're opening yourself up there. You're yeah. opening yourself up to some lawsuit there, JR. But, no, um, I do think, especially with how much people love Tony Schiavone uh, and the kind of reaction that he gets, I feel like just by virtue of that association, the pop that Big uh, – Damn, I almost did it again. Paul White will get in that arena for this match, I think, tells you everything you need to know. So I'm going to go Paul White on this one. What do you think? Hey, he's been with WWE for over 20, 25 years. So, yeah, calling him Big Show is kind of like a slip of the tongue, honestly. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's what we've known him by for the majority of his career. Yeah, even when he was the, even though at the time I still called him the Giant when he was early transitioning into the WWF. Um, honestly, I'm going to go opposite. I think QT Marshall is going to win because so far, 
The whole thing with the factory began with a split from the Nightmare family, and the Gun Club were one of the other new trios part of a line with the Nightmare factory who are now joining the factory, QT Marshall's new stable. And yeah. I think this is going to lead to, obviously, finally, when Cody comes back, when he's done with his business with Malachi Black, it's going to lead with, it's going to be a true civil war between the Nightmare family and the factory with QT Marshall. I mean, they're definitely giving a lot of time for this to breathe. They're letting QT build his new group. Now that Gun Club, is all three members of Gun Club is a part of with them. There's a lot opening. There's a lot of opening here where it's going to draw down the line. And I know already people are going to be – there's already wrestling fans who don't like the fact that AEW has too many fact stables and factions. I'm like, guys, the Indies had these as well. I mean – it's just one of the situations where AW, even though people want to call it WCW 2.0, it's mostly building itself off of old school wrestling and the indies. And that and old school wrestling relied heavily on factions in order to spread, you know, you know, spread the wealth among wrestlers, spread the no, no, notoriety. They thought it's more popular to get four wrestlers over as a group or five or six wrestlers over as a group than just one wrestler. Than you know, four or five wrestlers as individuals. But as I said, I think QT is going to go away with this because so far he has been seen a bit of like a punching bag. I think if he goes out, the heel heat that's going to be on him and his group on the following shows, I think will make you want to see him and the gang and the other and the other members of the factory get their asses handed to them so bad that you can easily build faces off of them. I mean, I don't disagree with anything that you've said just there, but I, again, what does QT really get out of this from pinning Paul White, who hardly wrestles anymore, or was hardly allowed to wrestle anymore? How much rub does he really get from that? I mean, yeah, Paul's a legend, don't get me wrong, and for good reason, but what has he done really in AEW up to this point to warrant you know, actually giving a rub and actually granting extra heat to QT in this situation. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said, love Paul to death. Wish, hope to meet him. You know, hope to shake his hand or have him at least put me by the throat like Andre yeah. did to Bob Cooper back in the day. Doesn't matter. But all in all, again, what has he accomplished or what kind of threat or what kind of credibility does he have as an in-ring competitor in AEW to where QT beating him would actually boost his standing. You know, it's not the same as beating someone like a Cody Rhodes or a Kenny Omega or a hangman page or anybody else. Who's been in the business for and consistently since AEW's inception. It's yeah. it's a huge difference. I think I, and it's a very good point. And here's my, my counter argument. I think this is going to be less on QT as a character and more of QT as a leader of the factory. Because one thing he's been doing as a leader is trying to get his new guys. He wants to get his guys have the whole, like, rub. So I'm pretty sure during this match, we're going to see maybe some interference from some factory members like Aaron Solo, Nick Camarado. I mean... We'll be with him at ringside. I will bring yeah. that up. I know Anthony Agogo, who was teamed with them, he's definitely not going to be... He hasn't been seen with them since Double or Nothing. But that... And also with the gun club. I'm pretty sure it's there's they're going to use a lot of dirty tactics for this victory. I don't think it's going to be a clean one. And like I said, with QT, he I don't think he's going to be meant for right now anything on the high echelon. He's just going to be that 
he's going to be that heel on the mid level to where you want to build the faces, you know, to really find like have different levels of heels. Because so far, the top heels we have is the, the the elite, and then underneath that, it's always a consistent, interchanging, revolving door. I think QT Marshall is just going to be like one of those mid level bosses in the AEW of heels, especially with the fact that that's what I'm getting off of it. And again, I could be, I, wrong. I could be yeah. dead wrong with all wins. I could right. be wrong. Again, my my argument is again, you you can do that pretty well, but again, up to this point, again, especially because we don't know what kind of medical condition, you know, you know, physically that and you know, what kind of physical condition, that's what I meant to say, that Paul's gonna be in either yeah. going into or after this. So I feel like this is more like a one and done quick thing, and they'll move QT on to something else to where they can really build that heat. If that's even something that they're wanting to do right now, because again, the factory has looked fairly ineffectual compared to any of the other stables. I mean, you look what happened with Cody with one of regards to QT and Anthony Agogo, and now Cody's gone because of Malachi Black. Like, I don't see Malachi Black joining up with the factory or being revealed as a member. So, yeah. I, I agree with I, you. I could be dead wrong. Yeah. I really agree with you. This, I do feel it's a one done, too. That's why I'm just, my last words. I just think that maybe QT Wayne is maybe AW trying to turn turn a corner on this factory thing. Like I, I, I a part of me does believe there's gonna be a civil war between Cody and QT and this whole thing with Malachi and Malachi Black was just an opportunity you just could not miss. And I truly believe he's not joining the factory. He's his own guy, and because yeah. he's already going to war with some people from the Nightmare family, I think it's just gonna be to where. Whenever Malachi is done with them, then the factory will move on. And then probably in 2022, that will be the next feud. That's what I think. This is just something to for QT just to get his little num num num, eat up the whole screen, say, I beat a legend. I beat someone like Paul White, who's this multi-time champion, you know, just to boost his ego. That's all I think. Yeah, but the thing but, is, is like he's good enough at doing that even after taking a loss anyway. So why fix what ain't broken, you know? But anyway, we'll move on from that. Uh, next up, let's go. On this one. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, so the next one up, we have a very big stipulation in this one. If Chris Jericho loses this match, he must retire from in-ring competition. It is Chris Jericho versus Maxwell Jacob Freeman, MJF. Talk about an odyssey that these two have had. Yeah. I mean – you look at what, you know, from Le Dinner de Bonaire and even before then with, you know, uh, MJF having to beat Jericho in order to join the inner circle. Then the whole thing with Stadium Stampede, you know, mm -hmm. trying to tear the inner circle apart, you know, the, the rise of the pinnacle, all of this kind of stuff. And now MJF holding three victories over Chris Jericho and Jericho putting his in-ring career in AEW on the line against MJF. Um I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Jericho wins. Yeah. I'm going to say it. The reason being is there's no way in hell Jericho is not going to wrestle on his own cruise in an AEW ring. Like, to me, there's just no way that he does that. Like, is there a, a, maybe a parallel world, a parallel universe, you know, one that Watsu the Watcher is taking a look at where he makes that choice not to do that? Plug for our what-if uh, reactions as well, by the way. Um, is, there a is there an instance where maybe that happens? Sure. I just don't think it exists in this reality. 
So with that being said, don't get me wrong, to see MJF go 4-0 against Jericho and really be built up as this young up-and-coming star is great. But I feel like just these three victories over Jericho up to this point have been more than enough to establish him as a credible threat. So I feel like this is the one where Jericho gets his, his happy ending. He goes on and he you know continues, wrestles on the cruise, and has a nice little retirement maybe when he feels like he's good and ready. I do not think like this. I honestly, personally, I don't feel like this is the end just yet. Ryan, your thoughts? I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said too, and I do see the whole irony situation. Like, why would Jericho set up this whole cruise if he's not this whole wrestling cruise if he's not going to wrestle on it? Although, looking at MGF's victories over Jericho, they've all been very significant. First victory to get into the inner circle. Second victory was to establish the pinnacle as a threat. Third victory was to pretty much not just bruise Jericho's ego, but at the same time, the five leaders of Jericho was probably one of Jericho's, I won't say his best work, but so far in AEW, one of his best works in AEW. Bringing I'll agree. Hmm? I said I'll agree. Yeah. And the fact that he lost the submission against MJF to that move, which I'll be honest, I've not seen that arm bar he used being used as a very like a, a cinch victory in most in maybe the la in his last couple of matches. So this yeah. over Jericho was big. Yeah, I mean it's mainly it's mainly been him using roll up tactics or that dynamite diamond ring to knock somebody out. Yeah, so him doing that with the uh, with that armbar brings a legitimate a clean victory to, to MJF. Now the storyline it would be very very interesting. Jericho actually goes through with this and said and gives this to MJF for MJF. The I think no bigger heel he would be given to MJF if he does retire Jericho. It would be bigger than him turning on Cody Rhodes when you have fans throwing water bottles at him. It can almost get to the level to where fans are literally throwing trash in the ring at MJF. But because of the crews coming up, but because of the fact that the inner circle are faces, and so far Sammy Kavar is still doing his own. So far, each every player they're doing their own thing. The inner circle is still there, so I too am going with Chris Jericho. And Alice me wants to say MJF goes four and zero against him. Perfect heel storyline for MJF to show him to not only is he always going to say I'm better than you, but he's going to say I have four precise four dominant victories over Jericho to prove how good I am. So yeah. it would pretty much, I won't say it puts him as a mega, it, he's already a mega star, but it's dead. But if he does beat Jericho, it's definitely going to put him in another stratosphere to where you can't ignore putting him in another title run. Yeah, absolutely. Like if he, I'll play devil's advocate here. If MJF does beat Chris Jericho on Sunday, now he gets to change that catchphrase, at least in regard to Chris Jericho. Instead of just saying, I'm better than you and you know it, he'll say, I'm better than you and I always will be. Yeah. Because you can't get back in the ring, you can't train or, anymore, you can't prove me otherwise. Or, I'm better than you and Chris Jericho knows it. Yeah. Especially if Jericho is going to be commentary on, on Rampage, if he shows up on Rampage and, and says that, and you have these constant camera look cuts to Jericho to where he's just so fucking pissed off. It's yeah. almost like you can find a way to where I don't think Jericho. I mean, look, so far with these little decisions, like Cody never challenging for the championship again, that has so far been the only one that stuck. 
When the Bucks yeah. started putting their careers on the line, it was obvious victory that they're going to win. So it does feel like that here with Jericho. That's why there is that devil on my shoulder that's telling me, what if MJF does win? Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing with Jericho is he he is not an EVP. He doesn't have to worry about you know people wanting oh he'll just book himself to win because he can. No, he doesn't have that kind of creative control. Anyway, let's move on. The TNT Championship on the line next. Eddie Kingston taking on God's favorite champion Miro. Uh, can I just say on a personal note, thank you Tony Khan and AEW for saving Miro for actually using him correctly, for making him a beast and not dropping the ball with him consistently. Uh, anyway, uh, Ryan, thoughts? I'll give it to you first. Well, I was going to add a little bit on Mira's new run. Look, I understand nobody was liking this whole the best man situation because clearly it was a play on – it was pretty much them poking fun at WWE for their consistent wedding angles and relationship angles they put, they put him in. Which – I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Let me bring that up. So the actual ceremony that took place when Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford got married on AEW, that was a shoot. That was their actual wedding. Yeah. That, that is a real thing. Like they've confirmed that. They broke it up until the reception part. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, wait, you, they literally did this. Like it was like uh, when uncle Elmer got married back in the day in the WWE because Pen the Pennsylvania commission wouldn't let it be a work. Yeah. With, that's why I thought it was so funny that they kept doing that. But then once that ended after the arcade, once, but then you saw that turn of Miro's character during that little arcade anarchy fight to where you yeah. saw him being a little more sinister, especially when it came with Trent's mom. And then you're seeing those little mini promos and him attacking Kip. I, I, I don't think this was always planned, but I believe, but Khan and the others knew that what they were doing with Miro clearly was not working, especially with Miro who had been out of the ring for a while, was showing that rust in his ability. So mm -hmm. I did like the fact that they were giving him a lot of matches on Dark for him to improve himself. So then when he went on that run, that undefeated run, you saw exactly when he got for that TNT championship, either Darby out there was two things going to happen. Darby Allen would become a megastar by ending his undefeated streak, or Mira would go over and become a dominant champion. And we got the latter. And so far... Miro's been using TNT Championship very wisely. I mean, that match against Lee Johnson, he made Lee Johnson look like a, a, a legitimate threat. Especially the whole, the, the constant, the, the, the tornado DDT or super kicks. Any attacks that was done, like when he ever received any like attacks, mainly folks at his head, he made it feel as if you had a wet, you found a kryptonite to his arm. You found a kryptonite to, to Miro. Especially yeah. against Fuego Del Sol. That match for the for his contract, it gave you those moments of brilliance. And then yeah. now with uh, Eddie Kingston coming up, I'm going for, all right, bottom line, I'm going for Miro because I think right now there, there's a bigger opponent for Miro coming down the road. And I don't mean like a big star, but somebody AW has their eye on to where they want them to beat Miro. A part of me thinks it's Jungle Boy, but I want to see, see Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus become tag champions. Chance, though. I agree with you. Um, I'm going to go for Miro as well. Uh, like you said, there's there's bigger fish for him to fry, absolutely. Um, but I also believe that when the time comes for Miro to lose that TNT championship, either Kip Sabian's going to take it from him hmm. or he's going to cost him the title, and that's going to continue that program once Kip comes back from his shoulder surgery. 
So he's been out for a while. He has, he has. But like I said, I just don't feel like it's yet. I feel like maybe that'll happen at, if not at full gear, because I'm not sure exactly how long uh, Kip was uh, was scheduled to be out because of the surgery. If it's if it doesn't happen at full gear, I'd say it'd probably happen at Revolution. You know, I, and I feel like that's a big stage that you put it on for that to happen. Okay. Um, anyway, hold on. I'm checking something for a second. Um, okay. Well, I'll go ahead and when, we'll go ahead and see. When Lana was I'm sorry. Say that again. Sorry, I'm just double checking something because I'm trying to count the dates. When 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 was Lana? When was the date of Lana being announced released from WWE? It, it was a while back. Um, okay. I want to say it was like okay. June 2nd. June 2nd. June 2nd. So it's been three months. Yeah, it's three months. It's, not, it's been it's 90, 90 days. days. Yeah, three. I'm going to say June 2nd to now would be about 90 days. Okay, that'll be a Wednesday. So seven, 14, 21. So, anyway. You go we will I'm go ahead. And, yeah, we will move ahead now. Uh, we have the first, if I'm not mistaken, the first ever steel cage match in AEW's yeah. history up to this right. point. The Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, with of course the Elite Stooge, Brandon Cutler on the outside, taking on the Lucha Brothers, Penta El Zero Miedo and Ray Phoenix, along with Alex Abrahantes, who will be at ringside as well. Again, big deal. First cage match in. AEW's history. Interesting that it's a tag match and not for uh, the AEW World Championship. I felt like that would have been an even more surefire stip for that title. But yeah, so here's the thing. Much as I love the Lucha Bros, I don't feel like they're the ones who are taking those titles off the Young Bucks just yet. I feel like like you mentioned, there's more story to be had in, say, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus doing it. Or Personally, the Dark Order. I mean, that's exactly I was getting ready to say. Stu Grayson and Uno or Reynolds and Silver, especially if building toward full gear now, we get something we were hopefully supposed to see on this night. But unfortunately, that's had to be postponed, and we'll get to that later on when we talk about the main event. But yeah. uh, overall, I am, uh, again, super kick party, baby. You know, that's the way it is. I feel like the Young Bucks are taking this one. It's going to be a hell of a match, I'm sure. Somebody somewhere will take either an indie taker or a Canadian destroyer or something off the top of the cage into the ring because these guys are freaking nuts. Um, but yeah, bottom line is young bucks go over. Man, I'm back and forth on this too because I too also believe that originally, yeah, I do think the storyline was Hangman and the Dark Order going to all out and they're gonna take those championships, but I think I can't remember if it was for personal reasons that Hangman had to had to step away for a while. So, I mean, I do since you brought it up, we'll we'll go ahead and we will we will uh, talk about this now. So, the thing that you're right, Hangman Page was supposed to face Kenny Omega for the oh. AEW World's Championship in uh, the main event here at All Out. And if I'm not mistaken, he was meant to win the AEW World Championship from Kenny Omega here in, yeah. on this night. The issue is he had to take the time off because uh, he and his wife were getting ready to have their first child. So, you know, if that's happened by now, I'm not sure that it has. But, Hangman, mazel tov to you. Fantastic news. Fatherhood's a fantastic thing. Good for you. Nothing but blessings for you. Hope the baby as well as your your wife are both healthy and doing well. If you've had that, uh, have the child by this point. If not, 
Hopefully everything goes well. And again, the baby and your wife are more than happy and healthy and you guys are doing very, very well. Uh, bottom line is, you know, and honestly, we know that's the story that we're building to. And you imagine having to take that time off and this, that, and the other, when he does come back, when they build to full gear, a pay-per-view that they pretty much named after him with the full gear challenge and this, that, and the other that they were doing all that time ago. Like it's, uh, it's almost poetic. Like, don't get me wrong. This being their equivalent of WrestleMania because they treat all out almost like it is WrestleMania every single year when it comes out, they try out big names, this, that, and the other. This would have been the night to do it really, because think about it. Hangman riding out on a horse you know, with the Dark Order all running behind him. Hell, just to be fun, the Dark Orders have little hobby horses like the, the Four Horsemen did in the Schmodown way back yeah. in Season 3. Or the, like, that, like, that Monty Python sketch. Ah, yeah, yeah, that one. They're all just yeah. trying to get like, coconuts together while they're right behind him. Yeah, get uh, get 5 and 10 running behind him with the coconuts or whatever. That would have been funny. Um, but the, fa uh, the fact is, is like still we're getting really good matches like this one here between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. So uh, go ahead with your thoughts. Sorry, I cut you off. The reason why I said that was because, I mean, we're going to talk about this later on with, between Kenny and Christian, is that that storyline that with Hangman and the Dark Order, it definitely has been carried over to Christian, especially with this past Dynamite, seeing Christian and J Luke and Jurassic Express just getting their asses kicked. And then, of course, with that, and of course, also with the Lucha Bros inside. So that definitely, all that beat down inside the steel cage, and if Adam Page had not had to step if Adam Page's wife had not gotten pregnant, I'm pretty sure the storyline would continue going through. So with that whole that match where Adam put his number one his number one spot on the line, I'm pretty sure the storyline would have been to where they win, and then the Dark Order got an opportunity for the tag belts, and it could have been this great like face celebration between the Dark Order winning and maybe Adam winning. But as I'm saying, yeah. I do think the Lucha Bros are going to lose. They they have been put they put on great match with the Bucks, no doubt. Oh yeah, like the ladder. What was it? The Escalera de, Mo, de la Muerta yeah, match. Escalera de, de la Muerta. Yes. Yeah, I'll never forget watching BTE after that. The the Bucks were like, yeah, our wives pretty much called us after we were done with that match and said, never do that again. Well, I'm, they have to apologize to the wives again because they're doing this in a steel cage. But from what I'm thinking is that with with the with the Lucha Brothers losing. The storyline opens up for maybe them joining Andrade. If they there's leave. a possibility, there is a possibility. Who knows? Maybe Andrade pops up on the the ramp after the match is over. After the Young Bucks have hightailed it out of the arena, and the the Lucha Bros are just like, "What the hell do we do now?" And you know, maybe he just stands there and goes, "I told you." Just kind of shakes his head, you know, shrugs off. It's like, "Hey, your boy Pac wasn't here to support you. I'm here." What did I tell you was going to happen? He's going to let you down consistently, this, that, and the other. And maybe maybe that builds that story. But, yeah, uh, but, like I said. I mean, I want it. the Lucha Bros to win, honestly. A part of me wants to because I would like to see them have a, a – maybe not a long run, but a good, like, run to the end of the year with those championships. But, you know, I don't think they're going to – both the wrestling crews coming in, I'm pretty sure they're not – of course, they won't have – opportunity to show up so that that's the that's the sad part with this cruise though coming up in october it throws a lot of questions because a part of me does feel the bucks are going to be on that cruise so yeah i mean they might be you never know because again they are having a live be on there yeah i mean they're they are having a live dynamite in uh in florida at that time so who knows but in any case uh, let's move ahead then we have the aw women's world championship on the line next Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. 
taking on Chris Statlander. Um, again, love Chris Statlander to death. Love the chemistry that she has with Orange Cassidy, the best friends. All of that's great. I love how far she's come, especially after coming back from that knee injury. Um, but I'm sorry, Britt Baker is the hot ticket right now. She's the one who is the, the one that they need to build this women's division around now that, that she's finally been brought to this apex here. I, I do not feel like it is the right time to take that title off Britt Baker. She has so much more work to do. There are so many other baby faces that we can build up in the meantime to take it from her. So that to me says Britt Baker, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's not just big at building a baby faces, but you're going to need to find those who can maybe not turn the crowd against Britt, but those who would legitimately brute for them because we saw mm -hmm. with Red Velvet, obviously, I mean, look, they were in Pittsburgh when they did that, so they were going to go for Britt regardless. But I think when it comes down to it, I mean, so far, almost in every time Britt has been on stage, there hasn't been many female wrestlers who are, were able to legitimately maybe turn the crowd against Britt to cheer for them. And mm -hmm. I, as much as I, and I do love Chris Statlander. I thought she, if she had gotten hurt, she could have been one of the people to take that belt off of the car Sheeta during 2020. But Agreed. It seems right now, um, yeah, I just don't see her winning that belt. I mean, if depending on how this match goes, I can see AW putting her in a position to where you can see her becoming women's champion maybe next year, or maybe she'll win if they ever if they develop a women's uh, tag division. Maybe we'll actually do see women AW women's tag belts, or I, I can see Chris Statlander going. With this forbidden door, I can see you're maybe going to other uh, wrestling independent companies, weighing the belt, and then bringing it on to AEW. Hmm. And it's a possibility. I mean, there's certainly room for speculation and room for, you know, just taking a look at every option that's out there. So, I mean, we will see what happens. All right. Now we move on to our final two matches of the evening. First, of course, the one that is really probably the most hyped match in AEW history after such a short build too, just because it was hinted at and now it's finally been confirmed. Darby Allen goes one-on-one -on -one with the returning best in the world, CM Punk. This, yeah, this is literally, uh, um, I mean, this is a, like a very big fucking Goliath match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean it is the theoretical sense. The theoretical sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this is massive. But I also think, in terms of predictions, this is a a slam dunk in terms of knowing who's walking out with the W. I mean, it's his first match back in over seven and a half years. There's no way CM Punk's losing, especially not in Chicago. CM Punk wins. Let me just be devil's advocate here for a second. <laughs> now, it is very, very obvious to you, especially when it's right there in your face, that CM Punk in Chicago, without a doubt, he wins. But throughout Darby Allen being brought into AEW, he has been presented as not just, not like an ultimate underdog, but as the one to never really look past. I mean, his debut match goes to a time of the draw against Cody Rhodes. And then from there on, he has been pulling surprise victories against so many different people. He, he, I mean, he came so close to being Jericho a few times. 
Uh, he was able to pull out surprise victories against Cody again, against uh, Brian Cage, against Lance Archer, and even in dark matches where you, you've seen him win. And then when now, now him being uh, attached with Sting, Darby's stock has been rising and rising to where we saw that great, uh, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting, the, 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 the theatrical match with Sting and Darby Allen versus uh, Team Taz. Yeah, against Team Taz. And then yeah. even then, when Sting and Darby came back, when Sting was in full wrestling gear to go the team with Darby against the, the oh my God, the men of the year, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, Darby and Sting have proven to be a very interesting commodity to where you didn't think whoever you paired against them would be a big challenge. But now with CM Punk and seeing the fact that Sting said on Dynamite, he's not going to be there. He's going to let them have their moment. He's going to pretty much, you know, uh, give give his part, give his partner a fist bump and head to the back. Part of me thinks that maybe, maybe somewhere along this match, Darby Allen does something that goes against his personal character that may make him want to beat CM Punk in Chicago. And I'm not saying for heel heat, but in a good storyline. But like I said, this is just me being devil's advocate here. I'm still going to go for CM Punk winning. I'm yeah. just saying, Darby Allen, you're taking it to a point so far that you're going to need to find a point to where you're going to need to keep that character fresh, especially after with this match with CM Punk. Because yeah. the, crowd, the crowd is clearly, it's going to be dominant CM Punk chance, maybe a few Darby Allen ones. The only way I can see this ending, maybe another time limit draw for Darby Allen. Here's the thing, though, and I, I agree with you. That would be an interesting way to end this. I think that would piss people off ridiculously. I know it would. CM Punk, first, yeah, CM Punk's first match back in seven and a half years and no definitive winner, you would have that entire arena ready to burn the whole place to the ground. And yeah, I know it makes a lot of sense, but to me, in reality, it could be to where, yeah, Punk hasn't wrestled. Sure, he's trained for MMA, so he's gotten some mat groundwork. But against Darby Allen, who's literally who is pretty much a daredevil in the damn ring, you'd think maybe he pushed Punk to the limit to where maybe a time of the draw is a possibility. That's why I think it's a possibility. Not to where it's gonna happen, but to where let's say we hear in the match, it's going back and forth. You're just about to go 10 minutes remaining in the match, and then all of a sudden you hear five minutes remaining, and the crowd gets hotter, hotter, and hotter to where you're gonna hear them maybe go maybe. Like maybe uh, I don't know some st- or chance are going to happen in the Chicago in the in arena to where they're going to go no way or no no or like boo- like booze going I don't know what the crowd's going to think of in the heat of the moment I'm just saying Punk might win at the last second that's how I think I could book that's how you book this Punk winning at the last second not towards the time of the draw to where he beats Darby on at the last second I mean I can see where you're coming from with this me personally the way I see this going is. Even if it doesn't come down to close to the time limit, CM Punk goes over. Then after the match, you know, the two, he and Darby are showing mutual respect. Uh, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia come out there, start beating him down like they did this past Wednesday. Then they get the upper hand when Sting comes back out. CM Punk gets one of them up in the GTS, goes to hit it, but then as he's lifting him up, Darby Allen hits the coffin drop to drop him into that knee for the GTS. Hmm. Like, how cool would that be? That would be very fucking cool, honestly. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I literally... Mean, we saw three finishers of the GTS coffin drop and De- Scorpion Death Drop. Yeah, the Scorpion Death Drop, right, yeah. 
All right. So and of course, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. Now we move on, of course, to the main event. The AEW World Championship is on the line. Kenny Omega defends against the Impact World Champion, Christian Cage. Um, again, we talked about it earlier. This was originally supposed to be Hangman Page's spot. And again, it's for that reason, because it was meant to be somebody else's spot, somebody else's story, somebody else's victory, that Christian Cage ain't fucking winning this match. He's just not. It's one of the reasons you know? why I think they gave him the Impact Championship, just so they can say he has he has one, so they can bring this. It's not to where they could say it's possible for him to win, but in the storyline-wise, you can put down to where Christian does have Kenny's number, especially when Kenny wants to fight dirty. Mm-hmm. Christian is that savvy veteran to where he can counteract Kenny. And, of course, Kenny, he might have Don, or he's going to have the good brothers at his side. And then, of course, with Christian, he'll have Jurassic Express to even the odds. So, But yeah. either way, yeah. Kenny so far as a champion, he has done nothing but use dusty finishes outside of that triple threat match to win, to win, for, to whenever the belt is on the line. So I do expect something dusty to happen. But I do like the fact that even though they know that Christian was added into this, they did a smart play by having him work slowly up his way throughout mm-hmm. the card. Having him wrestle on dark, having him feud with Team Taz, um, having him be one of the last two in that double or nothing battle royale to where he and Jungle Boy become, where he and Jurassic Express to form this union. I, mean, I, do it's, see it's Christian, I do see Christian, he is going to definitely give fans moments of brilliance, maybe moments of hope to where the fans might get invested. But yeah, Kenny's definitely walking out of this. Yeah, 100%. Kenny Omega, AEW World Champion still until hang- – and who knows? Maybe to really stick to the crowd and really maybe you know work and keep that angle with Hangman fresh, maybe he hits a buckshot lariat or a buckshot <laughs> V-trigger to, to kind of make a, a nice little impact because he can't think of anything else to put Christian away. You know, there, there's an opportunity there. Yeah. I do see that. Yeah. yeah. To just not only rub it in in a Christian's face and rub it in Hangman's face, but maybe even get under the skin of the Dark Order who try to go out there and maybe continue that storyline. So there's a bunch of different ways that they can take this. And I'm very, very eager to see how it all plays out. Uh, But that is it, ladies and gentlemen. That is the full rundown of AEW All Out. Uh, We will do a predictions uh, punishment for this. I know we're behind on a few punishments right now, so I do apologize. But let me go ahead and pull up the punishment wheel so that way we can take a look and see what the fate of the loser is. All right, let's see. If Brennan's up for this, we can reach out to him and get his predictions. Yeah, we will reach out to Brennan to get his predictions here. I will go ahead. I will eliminate one of these options as it is already one that both Brennan and uh, Ryan owe me. Uh, As of right now, Brennan and I owe Ryan the Wrestler Karaoke Challenge. And Ryan and Brenton both owe the Toe of Satan challenge. So yeah. I know that is one thing they are not looking forward to at all. But here we go. Let's take a look here. The wheel is ready to go. Let's go ahead and open that up. Give me just a second. There it is. Sharing now. All right. And Wheel of Morality. Turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson. Oh, please let them know what was on the wheel. The audio. Oh man! Oh, geez. No, well, for the okay. audio listeners, <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, for our audio listeners, the punishment of choice is wrestler lookalike day. The winner gets to choose what each member get has to dress as for the day. So we have again the uh, sh that'll be interesting. So um, there's because all right, we'll 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 get into this later. But yes, so whoever wins the predictions contest will then get to choose the costumes that each gentleman. Uh, each loser will have to wear for a full day. Uh, maybe we'll even do it um, on a day when we're recording the podcast so everybody can see it. So yeah. uh, at least if you are video oh, watchers, yeah. if you are not video watchers, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Sheemanator Productions on YouTube, where you can see these podcasts live before they go up on any other podcast feed. So cheap plug. Anyway, so there you have it, folks. Uh, we will definitely see what is in store this Sunday. AEW's all out. I personally will not be able to do a live stream for this just because uh, I have some other things I need to handle that night. And I really just kind of want to relax with my family. It is Labor Day weekend and this, that, and the other uh, without having to do a bunch of, you know, kind of isolate myself from them so we can do these watch-alongs. Um, so that's not fair to them. But I will, uh, we will do a review of AEW's all out at some point after it is over. Obviously, because we will want to talk about the CM Punk Darby Allen match, but of course, uh, because of everything else that is going on at the same time. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a ton of fun. Uh, I am so looking forward to this pay per view. Ryan, I know you are too. We are also looking forward to the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Seed Triple Whammy. That will be coming up on October 21st. Uh, if you have not had an opportunity to go on this trip and you are available to do so, Get your tickets. There are still limited staterooms available for that. They don't pay me to tell you this. I'm just saying it because I enjoyed the hell out of the last cruise. I know Ryan enjoyed the hell out of the last cruise. We want you guys to be able to enjoy it with us. So go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and take a look and see what's available. Be sure that you're able to commit to it, though, because you need to be able to commit to not just the stateroom, but a double dose of a vaccine as well as a COVID test heading into the actual ship itself. So commit. Be ready and just enjoy yourself on that cruise because it is a ton of fun. There are so many great people who are fixing to be a part of it. You know, Kurt Angle, uh, Billy Gunn, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Medusa. There are so many other people, including the aforementioned Will Ospreay earlier on in the show. You've also got other members from uh, AEW's locker room like Lance Archer, Jake the Snake Roberts, Colt Cabana, so many others. The list goes on and on. Go to Chris yeah, Jericho's is going to be there. Anna Jay will be on board. Uh, we got us. Wheeler Yuda, I believe, is meant to be on board. Yeah, Wheeler Yuda. Over oh, Orange Cassie as well. So yep. if you're Orange Cassie. There are a ton of people that are going to be on there. A lot of your favorite AEW celebrities and stars. So definitely go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and book your experience. Book your uh, stateroom today. Anyway, that is going to wrap it up for us here today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. On behalf of myself, your host with the most, James Shimo, and my co-host, Mr. Ryan Payne, we sincerely appreciate you. If you enjoyed the episode, like, share, subscribe. This is all for my, our YouTube folks. Hit the like button, share, subscribe, do all of that good stuff. Hit the little notify bell so that way you know when our new episodes go up. If you're listening to us in podcast form, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on the feed. Go ahead and leave us a like and a review because it helps us out and it helps grow and helps us reach out to sponsors. Not to say that we need sponsors. We're not money hungry or this or that. This is just a fun little hobby. But, hey, if we can make a little extra scratch at it while we're doing it, we're not going to sneer at that either. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We will see you next time. We have rambled. We have raged. But it has all been for the love of professional wrestling. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, hey, ref, ring the bell, will you?
See you next time.